Welcome to the Dwelling Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Our hopes is that this message inspires you and builds your faith today. You guys may be seated. Um, Thanks, guys. Don't you love it when you come to church on a Sunday morning and, and some people have decided that they got up way earlier than you? Way earlier than you. And they got here, got their instruments ready, and made sure that once you walked in here, the Holy Spirit was going to already be here. But you'd be like, oh, dang, this song was awesome. Oh, I love this. This was just great. This was just... I'm, I'm just thankful that they get up way earlier than I do to make sure this happens. I thank you, Norm. Norm is back from, uh, for those who know Norm. Yes. Snowbird is back. Pastor Garner's not here this morning. He has been, um, uh, it hasn't been under the radar. I think he's been in the radar, really sick. So, um, so we're not going to be continuing our series this morning. We're going to be doing something else. Everybody's very sad that I won't be preaching on hellfire and brimstone. So everybody just go like this with your right hand, wipe your tears away. It's okay. You can do it. It's going to be fine. It, everything's going to be okay. I, I promise it's all going to be very okay. But I'm going to do, we're going to, we're going to be talking about something else. The, the story I, we're going to be sharing today is one that I remember reading when I was, I think I was 14 the first time I read this story in the Bible. And I remember reading it, I was like, wow. I think it's the day I realized that our, our path are not set in front from what we think they are. Oh, I've always been like this, so therefore, it's always going to be like that. So reading this story was absolutely phenomenal to me because it reminded me of a few things. That if you decide to follow what God wants for your life, you'll be able to, there's going to be a few changes that are going to happen. And when we read this guy's story, we can actually look at our lives, our own lives and say, oh yeah, this, yeah, yeah, I, I get this. Oh yeah, I understand this. This is great. Uh, I, oh yeah, I, I could, I could feel this. I could, I could totally understand this part because his story's so like yours, so like mine, except a few little details that'll go through it. But most of it is just like, it's you, it's me. How one young man decided to stand from the ashes of the hell he went through, how difficult his life was. And decided to walk in a different path than his father and his grandfather did. Yeah. How his life not only sparked renewal in him, but also ignited a revival in his country. And we like renewal. We talk about revival all the time. So we're going to see how he made it through 40 years of revival. Not four years, not four months. Not four weeks, not four hours, but 40 years of revival within his own life and within his own country. The beauty of this is that when you look at his life, 
you'll understand that it changes everything. You cannot live the same way after you hear a story. And I hope you're ready for it because we're going to be learning on how to define your story. Okay? Because that's it. People can define your lives as much as you want. They can do whatever they want. I mean, you go on, you go on internet all the time and people have nothing else to do, better, nothing else better to do than just bash on somebody's post. Or I'm like, go get a life. Just go get a life. Are you not, if you have nothing else to do in your life than to do this, come on. Just, there's some at the Dollar Tree or Dollar General. There's some lives there for very cheap. Go find one there. Did I just say that out loud? I did. Sorry, this is really how I feel about the thing. But I believe that even if people try to define your story, God allows you to write your own story and make a change in it. So we're going to be looking at those five steps that allow us to define our story at the same time. Totally. Totally see what... um, what revival can look like if we submit our own lives to what God wants us to do. So you guys ready for it? Okay. So if you're reading, if you have a Bible other than, than your cell phone, okay, turn the pages to, I remember saying that all the time when I first started preaching, turn to the page of, and then people, you'd hear, because people would look for the page, right? Now it's like, okay. Or... They just look on the screen and just see it. So are you ready to define your story this morning? Okay. Okay. All five of you. That's great. Because your beliefs will determine your course of actions. What you actually believe will determine what's going to happen. Okay. You're not sure yet. Let's read it. Second Chronicles chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he, be, when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. So he becomes king at age eight. <laughs> Just think about that a little bit. And our new president, Josiah, the kid comes out. That's exactly what happened. We also know, you know, when the king becomes king at eight, there's a few tragedies tragedies that happen. And here's what it says about him. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the path of, his, of David, his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. But you know, when, when you become a king in bad days, it's like you know, the king is dead long live the king. That's usually how it happened. That's why you became king because the previous king just died. And usually the previous king is your dad. That's exactly the situation he runs into. But let's just look a little bit about the drama of how that happened. Second Chronicles, chapter 33, just prior to that. His father's name was Amon. King Amon's own officials conspired against him and assassinated him in his palace. Yeah, that's a movie right there. They make movies out of these things. Right? They do. If the bloodshed didn't stop there, though. But the people of the land killed all of those who had conspired against King Amon, and they appointed his son, 
Josiah as the next king. Here's the thing. He had, King Ammon had a lot of sons, but he just, the, the people were like, oh, the king is dead. His own officials, his, his people, the ones that were supposed to protect him decided to kill him. But now we got, we got to find another king and, you know, let's find one. And they choose, the people choose Josiah. I don't think he asked for it. It's not like, yay, I'm next, guys. Come on, uh, you just killed my dad, uh, you people, and now you're gonna, be my, you're gonna be my guard, okay? Come on, I got this. I mean, that's not a very, very beautiful situation to be in. If you think about it, the people that actually killed your dad appoint you to be king. Trust me, said the spider to the fly. Yeah, sure, sure. But when you look at it, we can use this example to understand what we can do. Because there are things that define our story. And there are things that define his story. And the first one is this one. It's a significant life experience. If you're going to be defining your life and write the chapter of your life today with God's help, with the Spirit of God, enabling you to live like you should, you got to remember what those significant life experiences are. His lineage, for example. In his case, Amon, Manasseh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so sorry about that. They were like bad kings. They were just bad people. They actually sacrificed their own kids to the gods of the time. So Josiah actually lived out, was raised in an environment where you probably heard his brothers and sisters sacrificed to the pagan gods. He knew about the stories that for a couple of generations, his lineage of people in his family were just corrupted. They were just corrupt. There's just bad evil. There's just like evil people. And he's like, oh, and now I'm eight and I'm growing up in an environment where I'm like, okay, this is all I know. I think this is a significant life experience for him. Yeah, my dad was like this. My granddad was like this. So I'm going to be like this as well. I know none of you have ever used that excuse before. I have. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, I got it from you, dad. I got it from you, mom. My kids never use that excuse with us ever, you know, because, you know, only if it tells them good, you know, obviously. But we use that as an excuse sometimes to excuse our bad behavior, to excuse our bad thoughts. In his case, I mean, he had some good reasons. He saw all of the drama in the family. I mean, can you imagine the family drama? Okay, uh, kid, you're next. Come on, you're, you're tonight. Yeah, it's your turn to be sacrificed to the pagan gods. What? No, 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 it's not my turn. I, 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 we, we didn't play a rock, paper, scissors. I, I, I won last time. This can't be my turn. Can you imagine the drama of growing up in such a crazy family? Wow. Wow. 
The thing is, there was also an appointment with destiny in this case. Despite all the drama, despite all the family ugh, craziness, they appointed him as a king. He was not the oldest son. He was one of the sons of the king. Now, what does that, this all mean to us? We're not kings. Well, we decide our own lives, what we're going to do, how we're going to react, obviously. But we're not kings. We're not prime ministers. We're not presidents. But we can still, we can still make decisions for our own lives. And we have an appointment with, with destiny every single day. In his case, he could have had the perfect excuse to just do whatever his father and his grandfather did. But what we just read is that he decided to love the Lord like nobody else before him. Here's what this means to you. And here's what this means to me. It doesn't matter the drama. It doesn't matter the trauma. It doesn't matter all the evil that has happened in your life. It doesn't matter what the lineage and the generational curse has happened to you. It doesn't matter. It can be broken just like this because it can happen. None of us. I think, I would bet at least a 10, bucks, 10 bucks on this. None of us had his drama. But he loved God from there on all of his life. In my bloodline, there was one Cote that crossed the ocean. French guy that crossed the ocean from France. Just one. Just one. And um, in my lineage is a guy that kept very busy. Cote is the, it's a polite way of saying, you know, whatever. It's the fourth most common name in Quebec. But there's just one guy that crossed the ocean. Right? The Cotes drink like crazy. They, they got a, in French we say they got a, a light elbow. Because they drink all the time. That's part of my lineage. I could have had perfect excuse to just be like many of my forefathers, right? We all have that excuse. We can use that excuse and be defeated by life and make it a defining moment of a significant life experience or we can use it as a stepping stone. No better than you, by the way. And Josiah's not better than you. But I remember at, at 14, I'm like, it doesn't mean I need to be like everybody else in my family. I can become who God wants me to become. I can become what God has called me to. I can live with the power of the Spirit. I can live like the Spirit wants me to live. I am not subject to generational curses. I am not subject to the evil that I may have known. I'm not subject to that because Christ has paved the way for me to write a different story. Same for you. Same for you. God has paved the way for you to write a different story to hand down to your kids, to hand down to the people that you teach at school to the people that you meet every single day. 
So you write your story when you take those significant life experiences and turn them to something that will give God all the glory. And then your life changes. And then the life, people's lives change. And age has nothing to do with this. We also, we all have an appointment with destiny. We all have that moment where we can choose that I've lived this way. Okay, today I'm doing something else. Yeah, that one of the big things right now is like, oh, it's one day I'll do this, one day I'll do this, or it could be day one, starting today to change what I need to change. We all have that appointment with destiny, and that destiny can start today. Or you could be like the alcoholic and I'll stop drinking tomorrow. That is within your grasp. And you can pray about it as much as you want. The power of the Spirit is within you to change that destiny today. Today. Like Josiah, okay, I'm king now and I'm going to love God from now on. So that is very possible for you. Second thing that will help you define the story you want to write is what I call the tenets of your life. You know what you value. In this case, he valued loving God. We won't read all of his stories, but all of his story, but he loved God from then on all of his life. I guess there were days that he probably wasn't that great. I, I, I'd be normal. You know, that's, he was human like everybody else. But he wanted to live righteousness. He took away all of those pagan gods that he was raised in. He erased, he destroyed, he, like, he put to ashes everything that prohibited him to get to God. Everything is like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Oh, my PS5, man, I spent too much time there. I don't have time to read my Bible. I'm getting rid of it. Yeah, that's the Hallucinations chapter 12 version, okay? I'm too busy. I got too much work. I don't have time to pray this week. He decided he was going to erase everything that was stood between him and God. So he pursued righteousness every single day of his life. He had a spirit of commitment because when he started erasing all those, those, um, those idols of the time, there's one verse that he says, and he even went to. We all, we all know this, right? Oh, I even went to. You know you're going nowhere when you say that. This little village. Oh, we went through all the cities and, you know, of Georgia, and we, went, we even went to Midway. It's like, what? You made it to Midway? Oh, my gosh. That's like a different time zone. Who lives in Midway? Uh, don't, be, don't be shy. Raise your hands. What? You live in Midway? Oh my gosh. God even go, shows up in Midway. He went every there, everywhere because he was committed to a course of action that would change something that the story he was going to write would be different than the one that people wanted him to write. He wanted to write his own story that God had planned for him. He had integrity of his words and of his actions as well. Here's the thing. We can say whatever we want. Our actions will prove what we really believe, though. I'm so glad to see you. Let's go grab a coffee. And two months later, where's that coffee? It's still in the pot. 
Come on, somebody. Our words got to mean something. If you can't say it, don't say it. If you can't follow through with it, just withhold it then. He said, I'm going to erase everything that relates to my lineage and all the evil that was in my story. I'm going to erase all that. Guess what he did? He did. What we value is not what we say we value. It is what we do. I love Jesus so much. Yeah, when was the last time you prayed? I don't remember. Sunday? I want to grow in Jesus. When was it? No judgment, right? I'm, I'm guilty of these own things, right? It's not about judgment here. That's not at it at all. But if we do want to write a different story than the one we've been living, we got to change a few things. And one of them is this. What we value, we got to put our actions behind it, not our words behind it. Not that our words mean nothing, but our words need to mean something. And our actions were, are going are gonna to prove that. Values are motivators of decisions. Yet, you will always choose according to what you value. Always. Always. And you will sacrifice the rest. There's nothing wrong with that. You, you know this, right? When you say yes to something, what are you doing to something else? You're saying no. When I said yes to Chantal, I said no to every other girl on the planet. I'm okay with that. When I said yes to moving to Savannah, I said no to all the other places in the, in the world. When I said yes to Jesus, I said no to everything else I also. So our values will be proved by our actions, not by our words. I'm so happy to see you. Tell it to your face. It's going to be awesome, right? So our actions will show it. Always. And the what we are sacrificing is literally we're letting go of something you want. For something you want more, though. So if you want to write a different story, there's a few things that we need to sacrifice along the way. I know this is not a very, uh, it's not a very sexy word in, in, in today's, you know, society. Sacrifice. Oh, no, no. We can gain a, everything from God. Yeah, yeah. There's a few things you'll, that we sacrifice along the way as well. But I want this, but I want that more. Sacrifice this and go there then. Do you want your way and your story? Or you want the story that God wants you to write? If this is what you want, let go of that. But that's a trapeze jump. You've seen trapeze, trapezists? Trapezists? The people on the trapeze. Right? You're all there, right? You're, you, yeah, the trapezists. Them. Them. Okay, they go like this. They're handing, they're just holding on just a little bit. And then to get to the other side, they got to let go of this to grab that. Yeah. It's not like, okay, we meet halfway. Okay, hold on. And then we let go. There's a jump there that changes the course of that show. In our lives, it's the same thing, guys. We got to let go. We got to sacrifice something we want. 
We desire, we love. I'm so accustomed to this. I've always done this. I've always lived this way. Oh, this is good. I'm not happy with it, but change to something else. So you got to sacrifice what you want for something you want more. Well, it's better to have something I have than something I don't have yet. Yeah, fortune favors the bold, and I, I, I could say. There's a few things we need to let go to be able to write the story that God wants you to write. A story that can change and spark renewal, not only in your life, but revival in somebody else's life. Because nobody can say anything against a changed life. Nobody can. People got saved when we read in the, in the, in the Revelations by the power of his blood and the words of their testimony. Your life, the story you're writing or the story you're not writing is communicating way more than it could or it should. You could communicate so much more by just allowing yourself to live new tenets in your life. So what do you value most? Don't listen to your words. Look at your actions. That's, and I, I tell this when I coach people, your calendar is your best friend. It proves where you're going to put your money. This proves where you're going to put your time. It's not a judgment calendar, but it proves what you're going to be doing with your life. I don't have time. We all have the time. Where do we want to invest our time is very different. In Josiah's case, he said, I'm going to write a different story. The tenets of my life are not going to be what I was raised in and all the evil. I'm going to write something different starting today. And that could be your life as well. Because what you believe to be true, you will always act upon. Here's a, here's a little graphic I want to show you. Okay. Um, very, very simple. Pretty straightforward, actually, okay? So what you believe influences what you do, which determines what you get. Okay, let me repeat this. What you believe influences what you do, which determines what you're going to get. If you're not happy with what you're getting, the issues are the result. Okay, let me, let me repeat this. Your values influence your actions, which will determine your results. I feel distant to God. Don't be mad about the result. Okay, I'm sorry. This, is my, this might rub a little bit, okay? I believe some people, I've been rubbed like a sandpaper so many times. I've had the chisel of the master just, ah, like I hate it every single time. But I know it refines me and going through the fire refines me. I'm like, oh, Jesus, again today. Oh, my, please, no. But then the next day I'm happy. If you're not happy with the results you're getting, don't try to change the results. Right. Start changing what you're starting to believe. Right. God is not answering my prayers, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be praying. So what do you believe? Because what you believe will always influence what you're going to be doing. Yeah. So is prayer and then, and then thing my last resort, or is it your first resort? I believe prayer changes something. I believe that when I pray for somebody, God can do something in an instant. I believe that when we, when we submit our lives to Christ, 
Christ can change something in an instant. And what used to be bondage and slavery can become freedom right after. So prayers doesn't need to be a last resort. I've tried everything. I'm, can you just pray for me? How about we reverse this? Let me pray like everything depends on it. Like everything depends on this. Because then your actions will show that. Faith is the evidence of things we haven't seen yet. Josiah's life is all this. I believe that God wants to write a different story. I will act accordingly. I won't do the same thing if I want a different result. Right? You just don't. You just don't. <sighs> what you believe, and I'm not talking about faith, right? What you believe is what is deeply rooted. And when you believe that people, uh, they don't like me, how are you going to be acting when you see them? Full of love and kindness towards them? No, they don't like me. You know that fake smile I used to call the Ronald McDonald's smile? That's right after. So what we believe about people, what we believe about God's action, we will act accordingly. Here's how the Bible says it a little differently. So above all, guard your, the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Your heart's affection will become your mind's attention. So make sure what you, what you want to believe, make sure that the tenets of your life will be worthwhile for the next part of your story. Definitely. What defines our story? Um, letter O, the obstacles and the struggles that we face. We, don't we all face struggles and obstacles in our lives? Don't we? Isn't that part of life? Can I get an amen on this? Isn't that just part of life? We, even, even if God is, God's goodness is like, thank you, Jesus. I'm, my life is so good with you. We, we're still going to go through some hardships. That's, gonna, that's just part of life. That's not the issue. But in Josiah's case, what we find out is that when he had obstacles, he decided to love God by serving him. He decided to do what was right. He decided to, to make decisions, and he had a definite bias for, for action. He was more active than passive. Because we all know, right? There is never a bad time to do something good. Right. Oh, should I help them? Well, now's a good time. I should pray for them. Well, now is a good time. I should go talk with them. Now's a good time. I got to read my Bible. Now is a good time. There is never a bad time to do something good. Ever. Ever. With people, with God, there's, and when the way we face obstacles also prove the results that we'll be getting will prove how we grow from difficult situations. Think about it. 
Our decisiveness, in his case, was about praying for God's will, and he got really active really quickly. Stories are narratives of actions taken, none of things not done, right? So the story you're writing, seizing the destiny that God has for you, is all about the actions that we take. Um, also, yeah, the inactions of the silent consequences. What is it costing you to do nothing? That's a hard question that I ask myself on a regular basis. I, I never like asking myself that question. I hate it even more when the spirit prompts it in my, in my soul. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, Jesus, I get it. So it costs you something to not do something. But sometimes we don't know what the cost is. What cost is it to you to not forgive yet? What cost is it to you to not talk to the person that you know you should be talking to? What cost is it to you to not reach out to somebody that needs to be reached out to? Because there's a cost to our inaction. But when we do act upon the obstacles that are in front of us and we step over them and we use them as stepping stones, our story starts to change. Obstacles do become opportunities and problems do become possibilities at one point. I believe this from the depth of my soul. And every single day, God gives you an opportunity to see something that faces against you to be something that can propel you. That's, that's yours to take. That is yours to see the Spirit of God do something incredible within our own lives, within your own life. Yeah. How you go about when you face a difficulty becomes the essence of how you grow when you chase your destiny. Okay, let me repeat this one. How you go about when you face a difficulty becomes the essence of how you grow when you chase your destiny. If you react passively, don't expect destiny to just show up to you on your doorstep and, oh, here's a... It doesn't happen. Destiny needs to be seized. Your story needs to be grabbed onto. You need to claw to get to it. Yes, the Spirit of God is there giving us the strength in those moments. But it's not like a silver spoon and silver plate. No. Here. The best in this world, outside of Jesus, all had to work through some challenges to be the best at what they are, at what they do. And we would expect differently. Yes, the kingdom is different. Because here's the thing. God gives you the strength to write that story. To go where you're supposed to. To live the life that you can. That's the difference. God is with you and the spirit enables you to live that life. Got some proof in a few seconds. Because the proof is always in the pudding. We all know this. Right? Resilience and growth. If you really want to write a different story, is that your behaviors, you'll, you'll build resilience because your behaviors prove your love for God, not your words. Here's, 
Now, let me put a caveat on this. Okay? Oh, if I really love God, yeah, your actions will show it. That's, you don't do actions, good deeds, to get appreciation from God. That's religion. That's not what I'm talking about. But because I love you, I cannot stay idle. I cannot stay on neutral. I cannot stay on park. Worse, reverse. It's a drive shift. Because our love for Jesus is always a motivator to move forward. And to do, but doesn't book of Hebrews say, spur one another to love and good deeds? I mean, it's a harsh word when you think about it, spurs, right? I mean, I mean, I, I would rather like, oh, smile each other into loving good. It's just not who we are as humans. We need the kick on the side. Oh, and then we get going. Maybe this is a little kick on the side. I don't know. It's done with love. Okay. It's done with a lot of love. That's it. But loving God will never keep you idle. <laughs> There's somebody here that right now you're saying, yeah, I love God. I just don't, I'm, I've been hurt so bad. I've been hurt so much that I, I can't. I can't trust the church yet. I can't trust the leadership of whatever church I'm going to. And that's why I'm not putting my shoulder to the plow. That's why I'm not putting my hand and, and pushing forward the mission. Let me, let me just say you this. Your love for God will always shine through even the darkness of your life. The hardships of your life. Don't, don't let hurt cripple you. It can be something else. It can be life-giving from now on. From now on. Because the story could be different starting today. It really could be starting today. I can tell you a million times I love you. But if my words... My service, you know, the five languages, my touch, my, my, the gifts or the time. If, if those actions don't never show up, will you believe that I actually love you? Right. It's the same for Jesus. I'm not saying we're not doing things to get his approval. We're already approved by him. We're his kids. Come on. But because I'm your kid and I... And I love you, Jesus. My words, my actions, my time, my love, my affection. My, I'm going to show it to people around, around me, to people that actually need it because I love you. So when we start building that resilience over a long period of time, the pudding starts to take. And then you get this verse that's solely beautiful and it says this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Run hard and fast in the faith. I mean, okay. Because stories need to happen in the, in, the, in the perfect sequence to happen, right? Run hard and fast. Run hard and fast. 
Walk slow and take it easy. It's not part of the scripture. Run hard and fast in the faith. Not in your strength, not in your capacities, not in your, not in your competency, not in your skills. Who cares? But run hard and fast in the faith. Seize the eternal life, the life you are called to. You are called to so much more than what you're living for. Okay. I was 14 when I realized that my life didn't need it to be like what people thought it was going to be. I'm glad I was 14. Gosh, not that my life has been perfect. Don't, don't get me, I'm not even close to that. But the day we realized that we've been called to seize the life that God has called us to is the day we understand that the, the hand of God's already there. The issue has never been God reaching out, right? It's never been the challenge. The challenge has never been God saying like, <laughs> too slow. What, what, what is it again? It's like, uh, oh, that's whatever. It's too slow. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. God doesn't do that to you. You do that to kids uh, or kids do that to you. It depends. But God's hands right there. And it says, run hard and fast in your faith to seize that. It's, it's funny because this is a word. How many of you like Greek words here? How many of you don't care about Greek words? If you like Greek words, I'll give you one. It's one of my favorite ones because it's long. There's many syllables and it's easy to remember. Okay. It's called epilam bonomai. I didn't go for to Bible college for no reason. Hey, so let me repeat that one to you. Ipilam bonomai. It's ta it talks about seizing, and it's about grabbing and never never letting go. It's the trapeze artists that go from one swing to the other, and they grab because they know if they don't grab it, they'll fall to the ground. It is Peter walking on the water. This is cool, man. Sucker is all in the boat. I'm, I'm going for it. And then sees the waves. And then, so funny, the Bible tells us, he starts going under. What do you mean he starts going under? Have you ever tried going under in a pool? If you step in the water, you go in. But it just tells us, I don't know, maybe the, it was more jello in that, that, that part. I don't know, whatever. And, it's, and it says, at that moment, Peter said one of the shortest prayers in the Bible, Lord, save me, right? We don't know how it sounded. Maybe probably like, it probably sounded something like that. We don't know. Maybe when they record, it's like, that what he said? It sounded like it. It was very short. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus grabbed him. That's to seize the occasion. So his hand is always there for you when it's time to write the story and seize your destiny. His hand's always there. That's why we need to seize it. 
It doesn't say be seized by the destiny, by the, by the life that God has called you to. It says for us to seize the eternal life, the life we've been called to. Hmm. It's a great describer of how we can live and write our own stories with Jesus. And I hope this, I hope this would be something that you would seize. It's an idea that goes beyond our capacity because God's hand is there. I don't think Peter grabbed so hard that he pulled Jesus under. Jesus grabbed him so hard that he pulled him up. That's the life we've been called to. Can't do it. But the hand that grabs you and pulls you up is way greater than yours. And the strength of that God that you serve is way greater than yours. And his love for you is greater than yours for him. And his faithfulness for you is way more faithful than yours for him. And that's why we can seize it, but we got to just, we got to go for it. And then he grabs us and he pulls us up. And then the story starts to change. Because the yearnings, and that's the last part of our, of Josiah's story. And it's also yours and it's also mine. Because if you want revival to happen in your life and in your environment, if you want renewal to happen, if you want to change the story and the direction of your life, well, there's a few things and we know how to deal with it now. Is that the yearnings of our lives and the passion will be to be in his presence. Here's what happened to Josiah. He starts off by saying, he wanted to follow God like the God of his ancestors, the faith of his parents. Or maybe not his parents, maybe his great, great, great grandfather. And then there's a point, he says, the Lord, my God. It changed for the faith of somebody else to his own faith. Because he knows that once you want to try to change the story that you're writing in your life, it just can't be somebody else's faith. It can't be just a good message that you hear. It can't be just a great song that you sing. It can't be just a good message that you've seen on, on YouTube. It's not, it can't be just the rumors of a, something that happened somewhere else. It's got to become very personal. And then it becomes the yearnings of our spirit that like, it's, it's what I need. I can't do without. I can't live without this. I've tried done it can't do it because I lose every single time so the yearnings of our lives will transform and reform us and it's going to change so much because it's going to change the world that we live in imagine if your light was such a beacon that in the darkness it would light the way for people that actually need something Some of you were raised in the church. How many of you were, uh, some of you were born in the church or just about, right? Raise your hand. I just want to see who I'm talking to. You've heard this message 15 times, if not 20, if not 100 times. Maybe it wasn't Josiah. Maybe it was somebody else. But you've heard the essence of that. God wants you to write a story that can change your world and the world around you. It doesn't have to be the way it is right now. 
It doesn't have to be. Let me repeat this. It doesn't have to be. It can't be different. It can't be a life, the life that God has called you to instead of the life that you're trying to survive in. It can. Not even a question. Because the yearnings of your, the yearnings of your heart will change. Let me tell you the end of the story of Josiah. After his own renewal, after the revival in the country, after all of that, at one point he's going to die, right? It's, I mean, it's, it is bound to happen. And here's what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 35. If you really want to read his story, all of it, all of the details, it is a beautiful story. You can read it in 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 35 and 30, uh, 34 and 35. And here's what it says at the end of his life. The other events of Josiah's reign and his acts of devotion. I, I, I just love those words. Acts of devotion in accordance with what is written in the law of the Lord. Because of his love for God. That was his devotion towards him. All of his stories written because of his acts of devotion for him. All of our lives, we will, somebody will write our story one day. Somebody will write our story. We, or at least they'll tell parts of it. We can write it so the result that we, want to, we would want to hear about us Got to change something in front of it. If we don't like the results of it, we got to change something before it, right? But out of his acts of devotion, because he loved God so much, everything was written there. All the events from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And, the, and this is my favorite one. 2 Kings 23. Never before... Had there been a king like Josiah? Never before. I just want to say, Solomon was before him. David was before him. Never before. And never after him. He was the, he was the spark that ignited revival in a country that had been in, in apostasy for 200 years. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all of his heart and soul and strength. There's no commas there. We all know that we're not supposed to write three things and say and every single time. You say like. Uh, okay, thank you for the three that got it. That's fine. Right? With all of his heart, like soul, like strength. There should be a comma, but that's not what it says. Words matter here. With all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since. And this was written a few hundred years after he had passed. So they knew. The little Hebrew word here, it says, if we had to summarize his life, 
There's nobody like him that loved God like him. And the story that he wrote out of his acts of devotion for him proved that you can seize opportunity because destiny is right in front of you. Because the hand of God is there for you to take. Here's what I want us to do just for the last few seconds here. I want us to just close our eyes. If, we, if I could have either keyboards or guitar or whatever, that'd be, that'd be awesome. It's always what we do, right? We have to have some music while, you know, before we pray. Seize the life that God has pre prepared for you. The life you were called to. The one you've been running from. The one that you fear you won't be able to. Live up to the standard, maybe. Seize that opportunity to be like Josiah and have renewal within your own life that will spark and ignite revival around you. That is within your grasp. It doesn't matter if you're 15, 55, 105. The story you may write starting right now can be different than what it has been. Yet, that is up to you. It is not up to God. His hand is already there. So here's what I'll do. If, if you need to leave, be blessed. It was great. Pastor Gunnar is going to be here next week. If you want to seize the opportunity that's in front of you, if you want to seize the life that God has called you to do to, and be the man that you, God has called you to be and be the woman that you can be and be the woman that God has called you to be, I'll just, just come in front and pray and seize that hand that God has for you. I'll pray with you, no pressure. But I think there is a moment that when we seize it, the windows of that opportunity shows up and it's ours to do. So here's what we'll do. You can come right now if you want to, but I know how we are. We're human. Sometimes like uh, we have to have somebody that goes out first. So we already have somebody. So don't worry, you're not going to be the first. But here's what I'll do though. I'll count to three. There doesn't mean there's a pressure to it. You don't have to. But I know sometimes that when we have a deadline, we're like, okay, we're more prone to action. I know this. I'll count to three. And if that's, I, I want to seize the opportunity, the life that God has set in front of me. And that's for every single one of us here. Just get up at the count of three and just come in front and let's just pray. And let's just pray. Don't wait at four. There's not going to be a four, okay? I'll go one, two, three, stand up. That's all I'll do. Who cares about what other people? You're going to be writing the story of your life with what God has intended for you. What God has intended for you to show your kids. What God has intended, the, the beauty of a new story that can change from now on. The opportunity is there for you, one. It's for you to seize, two. 
And it's for you to decide three. Come. That was three. That, there's not a, there is no other three. This is the time. And if you're seated at your place, great. Pray for the people that decided that their lives can change today, that something needs to change in their lives. Pray for them. Come and pray with them. They need people that are like-minded, that want to see a life changed. Come and pray with them. You don't need to be oh, a spiritual giant to pray with somebody. You just, just, come on, Mitchell, come and pray for somebody. Instead of just laying your hand, just going like this, come and pray with somebody. You know you were already praying for somebody. You saw somebody come in front and you're like, okay, well, I'll be praying for them. Well, come and pray with them. If we can't do this between brothers and sisters, we're missing the whole point. We believe this as a family. So I'll let you guys pray. And if you need to leave, love you. It was great seeing you today. It was great seeing you today. And seize the life that God has for you. Have a great week. Enjoy your time with your family. And be a light wherever you go this week. Is that good? We love you guys. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.